0: let's pray father we come before you tonight we thank you that we're in your house with your people father we just pray tonight father as we attempt to answer this question lord why do you make us wait the purpose in the waiting lord father that you would give some comfort some assurance father god to those looking for an answer father that as we come tonight father you as we are your children father god you 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 don't give us what we want lord but you you give us what we need Uh, and we're so thankful of that father god as we come tonight so as we open up your word would you just bless us lord this evening in jesus name amen answering a question tonight a question that often comes to me whenever you visit people and talk to people who ask Oh, why does God make us wait? Why am I waiting in the middle of the circumstance or the situation or the difficulty that I'm facing? It's a question has been asked many, many times. Waiting is a part of life, isn't it? I mean, we have special rooms for it called waiting rooms, don't we? Where you just go in and you just wait. He says we live in this instant society To have to wait longer than a few seconds for something, sometimes causes frustration. If you go on the internet and stuff and it doesn't connect straight away, he says, you, three seconds maybe feels like an hour. If you're driving on the road and stuff and the person in front of you doesn't move away from the traffic lights as quick as you want them to, he says, you get frustrated. He says, because we live in that society, that to wait longer than a few seconds causes a mass of frustration. He says, We wait in life for answers. We wait in life for results. We wait in life for diagnosis. We wait for a new job. We wait for a better day. We wait for a corner to turn. We wait for prayers to be answered. We wait to see loved ones saved, restored, to see doors open. We wait to see the promises of God fulfilled in our life. We see so many uh, different things, situations in our life. I mean, maybe. If you're single, you're waiting for the right husband or the right wife. I heard a story of a woman who had 32 specific prayer requests for a husband. In the beginning, she decided to God, "Listen, these are the 32 things that I want in my husband." She says after waiting a few years, she narrowed it down to two: make him a male and make sure he's breathing. We look at it and say, is there a purpose to our waiting? Waiting often seems like wasted time. It's a period in between completing one thing and starting another. Waiting is unpleasant. No one volunteers for it, looks forward to it. There's never a prayer prayed in the prayer meeting that I've ever heard where somebody says, God, thank you for this period of waiting. Thank you that I am waiting at the moment. Nobody ever prays that prayer. They never say thank you for right now. They may say it afterwards in reflection and in hindsight. But nobody ever prays that prayer in the middle of waiting. They look at it as that period in between of waiting for the answer to come that God is going to give them. And yet waiting is often the primary tool that God uses to do uh, the work that he wants to do in our lives. If we're asking why God makes us wait, well we have to go to the Bible first to see what it, that says. And the reality is with the Bible is actually the Bible is a book of waiting from beginning to end. I mean the old testament is a story of a people waiting for the messiah to come waiting for jesus to come but when he comes i don't believe that he is the messiah i mean there was even a period of 400 years between the old testament and the new testament where this just waiting god's not speaking and so they're waiting for something to happen i mean jesus arrives he he redeems mankind by going to the cross uh, then he rises again And then he goes to heaven and now we're in that period, once again, where we're waiting for him to come again. And I'm not always sure we get that confidence sometimes when it comes to reading the Bible. When you read verses like 2 Peter 3 verse 8, which says, With the Lord a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. And we're thinking to ourselves, I wish God would answer this prayer, even if I give him a day. Well, it's no point praying that because a day to God, he says, is like a thousand years. We don't have a thousand years. So we're looking at it sometimes saying, well, how, how does this help us? I mean, even the biblical characters that we look at all had waiting in common. I mean, all of them had any character that you pick, uh, had, had a, a, a time of waiting. I mean, let's look at it. Noah waited 120 years for rain. Abraham waited 25 years for a promised son. Joseph spent 13 years waiting in a prison for a crime he did not commit. Boaz waited years for Ruth. David waited 30 years to sit on the throne. Even Jesus waited 30 years to begin his ministry. And they all have that in common. This was said of Moses. I mean Moses spent 40 years in the palace thinking He was somebody. He then spent 40 years in the desert living as a nobody. And then he spent the last 40 years realizing what God could do with a nobody. Uh, And the thing is, even in that process there in the middle, it it was of a waiting. He'd given up. Yet God never gave any of them what he had promised them without a period of waiting. So we really should expect there to be a period of waiting, and in, in, in our walk with God, that, that we are waiting. And, but what do we do in that time of waiting? I mean, King David, and I'm going to take some thoughts for this. He writes Psalm 13, and we can relate to the words of these six verses. You can see even in the first two verses, he uses that phrase: that, that we say, "How long? How long, Lord? How long?" But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Now four times in the first two verses he asks that question. It's an important question because in the middle of the turmoil and the trouble and the difficulties and the challenge that he's going through, he asks that one question that we would ask when we are in the middle of the same difficulties and circumstances. It's like, "How how long, God, must I go through all of this that's happening? When is the answer to my prayer coming? And and that waiting time is the part that we look at and say, I wish God would just answer the prayer. It's the answer that we want to know above all else. You see, we're on a spiritual journey, and that spiritual journey is often like kids on a road trip, a car trip, isn't it? What's a question they would ask? How long? How long till we get there? Are we there yet? I mean, some kids don't get to the end of the street before they would say, How long? Are we there yet? I mean, does it look like we're there? You know, does it it look? You know, but they would ask that question, and and two minutes later, he said they would ask the same question, wouldn't they? Are we there yet? Uh, How long? How long till we get there? And eventually, you just you just make it up. You just lie to your kids for peace, don't you? I'm I'm not justifying lying, but you just do that for quite a life. You just we used to say to our kids how long uh, it was like that half an hour, even though it was six hours. And they'd ask again, you know, how long was it? You know, 25 minutes, even though it was still five hours and stuff, they didn't have a clue, but it just gave you a peace of mind, didn't it? And often that's the way we are. We ask that question of how long? Because every child of God has asked that question at one time or another. That, that we've, we, in a sense, do that, because in that period of waiting, we, we feel like David does. We feel neglected and forgotten by God, don't we? We feel as though, because God hasn't answered our prayer, he's ignoring us. He's silent towards us. Uh, and that's how we feel. We feel, if God loved me, he would have answered my prayer by now. How many of us have said that? I know I've said it. I said, God, if, if you really loved me, I said, you would have answered the prayer you know I prayed it yesterday and you still haven't answered it today Uh, and we question and and there's nothing wrong with that I mean David did it here in this psalm because he, he just opens up the psalm four times the same question he says how long because it's a critical question isn't it often we faint under the simple length of our trials we feel we could endure almost anything if we knew when they would come to an end wouldn't we if we knew when it was going to finish he says we could endure anything i mean you're listening to my sermon tonight if i told you that i would be finished at quarter past seven you would be like i could endure that to quarter past seven if i told you i wasn't finishing to quarter past eight and suddenly you'll be like, I don't think I could endure it. Like I probably would have to get up, go out, you know, go home, make an excuse. So we can endure almost anything if we know when it's going to finish. I mean, whatever we dislike. I mean, I don't like flying, but I fly. But what I love, and when I, I flew to New York earlier this year and stuff, but they have on the screen exactly where the plane is, and to me that was perfect. I mean, we hadn't left the airport yet. We hadn't taken off, and I put that on. Because I thought every minute was a closer minute to the destination. That's what I thought. I thought every minute was a closer minute. And I watched as I thought to myself, and and when people say, I just enjoy the journey, just enjoy what you... And I'm like, no, I don't want to enjoy the journey. What's to enjoy about being 37,000 feet up in the air, going at 600 miles an hour? Nothing! So what you do, people say enjoy the journey, but I'm just watching the plane as it goes and then as it flies over the Atlantic Ocean, I think to myself, you know, well, at least if it hits water it's a soft landing, that's the way you think when you, when you don't like flying but you just do it. There is no part of it that is enjoyable it's endurable I endure it and that's the way we are sometimes with periods of waiting we look at it and say no enjoyment in it we just endure it because we're not interested in the journey that God is taking us on we're interested in the destination all we're interested in is getting there uh, but I wonder in the waiting if God is teaching us some valuable lessons on the journey I wonder if the purpose of waiting is for him to teach us some things that we need to know in our walk with him rather than just getting to the destination and being thankful that we got there we've missed everything that God has done while we're on the journey Uh, and so yet we're here and waiting if we were honest is a waste of time so the idea of waiting for God or waiting on God seems to be a waste I mean, we would often do this, and I've done this, because we look at it and say, I'm waiting, and, and how often do we this, do this? You know what? I'll help God out. I'll speed up the process. Like I could do anything to help the eternal creator of the universe out. I mean, to be honest, I put my faith in God because I made a mess of my life i'm sure he probably looks at it and thinks here off you go go and do something that you think can help me out that's what we do we like speed up the process. i mean the biblical characters did that did they abraham did that when he's waiting for an heir for a son says you know what i'll help god out he says god's keeping me waiting maybe if i sped up the process maybe if i did this it would help him out i mean when you think about it it's quite absurd really that we would help him out But but actually, that's what we would do. We would look at it and say, let's help him out. Because we look at it and say, it's a waste of time waiting. We need to get to the point of what needs to happen. We need to get from A to B. And when we get to B, we need to get to C and D. And then when we get there, all the way through the other uh, letters of the alphabet. And we do not enjoy the journey, learn anything from the journey, because all we're interested in is getting there. And yet God is interested in us learning how to wait. And so we'll try and answer this question with a few things, uh, with a few points. The first one is this, and and this will help us out. uh, And this will shock us as well, because God is not in a hurry with us. The speed that we apply to our lives is all about us. Because God's not in a hurry with us. He's not. He's not in a rush with us. We look at it and say i've got to do this really quick you know if i get this done then i can move on to the next thing that's the way we do most of our jobs our task. but then if i get this out the way then i can do this and I get that out the way then i can do this and actually god doesn't apply that principle to our spiritual lives because the reality is he's not in a hurry with us he says he has all the time in the world And he applies that thought and that principle to our lives. That actually he's not in a hurry. The speed and the process, most people's stress and anxiety and frustration and all the stuff that they're dealing with sometimes is because they're actually in such a rush. And you know what it's like when you're flustered and you can't get done everything you want to get done and and you're rushing around and you don't get it done and then some smart person comes along and says to you, if you just calm down, it's like... (laughs) and that tests all the fruits of the spirit in one go because you know but that's the way we are we're in a rush we've got to get all this stuff done and and actually in our spiritual life we do the same thing we're we're in a rush we're in a hurry but God's actually not in a hurry with us he's not rushing us in that way I mean, we determine the speed of our lives, and it's simply got faster and faster, hasn't it? We've got to cram everything in as fast as we can, as much as we can. We've got to live the full life, that's what we say. Oh, we've got to live this full life, and it's got to be about getting every crammed in and do all of this, and it just burns people out. it it just it just it just causes anxiety it just causes all this frustration and it causes all this pent-up that actually you don't really want to get everything just rushing about and you know what we get like that the the first thing we say nobody knows how busy i am Nobody knows how much I have to do. I mean, I've said that all the time. I say that in the house and everything. I'm like, I'm 51, I become an old grump. And you know, but I thought to myself, because I'm 51, I'm allowed to be a grump. So I would say in the house, oh, I did all of this and I did all of that. They just ignore me. But the the problem is, is we're like that. Because we've got pent-up and we've got frustrated because we're in a hurry. And yet we're in a hurry. God's not in a hurry with us it's actually all the time in the world I think God sometimes said I'll just wait till you slow down because you ever tried to pray read your bible get out to church consistently when you're in a rush in a hurry pent up frustrated thinking I don't have time to do all of this you know when you don't have time to do uh, when you say that the first thing that goes is your spiritual stuff it's And people, people will say, "Oh no, no, it's not. It is." It says when, when you're in a hurry, you're in a rush. I could, I'll leave the praying at the moment and says, "I'll do five minutes instead of 15 minutes." Or the Bible reading, I'll, I'll do. I'll speed read. There you go. Like it's somehow magically going in like this. But we'll do all of that because it's the first thing that goes when we are in a hurry. And God says, "Well, I'm not in a hurry. We're you? We're in a rush." You know, there's a reason God speaks about this, particularly in the psalm so much. He says, says, Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now listen, the first part of the verse is key to the second part of the verse. The second part of the verse only works when you do the first part of the verse. Be still before the Lord. He says, that's you chilling out in the spiritual message version of this that's you just saying if I can be still I can wait patiently on God you can't wait patiently on God if you're not being still so the second part of the verse is conditional on the first part of the verse what do we do be still how often do we struggle to do that I know people will say oh, I live in a mad house and I've got mad kids and everything's mad and I don't find the time to be still and that and, and, and listen I, I know there are different reasons but the reality is this it says that thought there that advice or that principle or what God is trying to teach there is essential to us because we can't wait patiently for him if we're not being still before him And if we're being still before him, it says the first thing we're not doing is not being in a rush. We're not hurrying. We're actually waiting on him. We're not waiting for an answer because the danger is sometimes we're just waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled. That's not what this is about. That's not the same as waiting on God. Waiting on God is a totally different thing. It says be still before the Lord, wait patiently before him. You know, somebody who had said this, it says, God does not use a microwave, he uses a slow cooker. I like cooking, I, I, you know, and I enjoy cooking. And it says, but there, there are things that you can use, you can use a microwave or a slow cooker. A microwave is good for those burgers that you buy when you're starving, and you throw them in the microwave, and they taste like plastic, you know what I'm talking about. And there's no taste to them and stuff, and, but they'll do. That they'll just do, you get the ketchup on it, and the taste a bit rubbery, and they're, they're lovely, they're lovely, they're, they're okay. But listen, it says, a slow cooker, when you throw all the ingredients in, and you let it work away over a few hours, and the smell fills the house, and everybody says, what's that delicious smell? It says, it's there. It, it, it's not the burger that you've done in the microwave it's the food that's in the slow cooker all the ingredients together and, and it's been cooking for seven or eight hours and you know everybody is in anticipation they'll go over to the slow cooker i mean listen nobody ever goes over to the microwave opens it and sniffs it to see what was being cooked but people will go over to the slow cooker lift it off and then yeah or oh, listen smell that somebody pass me a spoon no you can't have any till it's ready because in the slow cooker it's working slowly it's something happening to it isn't it that just we can't see it but it's something all the flavors oh i'm making you hungry now aren't i yes i and it says all oh, the flavors together and in the end the meal is delicious because it's been working away slowly, not in the microwave for two minutes, coming out where you've got to worry about you've just swallowed radiation or something, you know. This in the slow cooker. That's the way God works in our lives. He sticks us in the slow cooker, and it, we work, He works on us over time. You know what I mean? God could use a microwave, but he uses a slow cooker because he knows he's slowly developing us. There's a part of us in the slow cooker, and you can't see anything happening sometimes. You know, when you you throw it all in, and an hour later you go back and you think oh, that's hardly done anything. Do you know what I mean? And you know, you go back another hour later, and well, you can see a little bit of progress there. Leave it another hour, goes, so, you know, and that's the way. And that's the way God works in our life. He doesn't use a microwave with us to sort of, you know, because some people think. Well, We'll just get zapped bang there you go god's given you what you paid for he doesn't use the slow cooker and he develops us over time and you see the second thing that we see here sorry, the, is this is waiting reveals who we are and where our trust is we must fix our eyes on god not just his promises because we look at it and say it's just about claiming the promises of god actually it's not waiting on god is not about claiming the promises of god waiting on god is just simply waiting on god is waiting on who he is. It's spending time in his presence. He's taking ourselves out of the busyness of life and just waiting on him. We have grown up in a generation where we think all we've got to do is claim all the promises. God actually says, That's not what this is about. This is about you waiting on me. And the danger is sometimes we are sometimes waiting on something we have not been promised. We would look at it and say, I'm waiting on this, but well, God's not promised to give you that and I mean, so we're confused about the waiting because our focus on the waiting is waiting on the promises and God has not made those promises it is more important for him for us to wait on him not what he's going to give us if he doesn't give us anything he says we do not lose the benefit of waiting upon him be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him he says, the other thing we see, that waiting develops our character. I mean, when Paul writes to the church in Rome, in Romans, he says, he knows that suffering produces perseverance, produce, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. He says, there's waiting, isn't it? He says, there's a purpose to our waiting because it develops our character. It says listen there was one thing you should never pray for never pray for patience god doesn't give you patience he puts you in situations that cause you to be impatient and then that'll test your patience so you'll end up following michael totten home on the motorway who drives at <laughs> 40 miles an hour you know and that'll test your patience sorry michael he says i'll test your patience We look at it sometimes and think, in developing our character, God sort of has a laser gun from heaven and he just blasts us. You want patience? There's patience. Not that you need it. Actually, you do need it. Actually, heaven needs it. There we go. He says, and we do that. We are looking and say, God give me joy. And we're just waiting on him just blasting us with all joy. He says, God puts us in those situations that develops that part of our life that needs it. But whatever we need, there is a process awaiting. There is a waiting where God is working. I mean, James opens his letter with this. He says, be joyful in your trials because it is producing perseverance. And that is what God uses to make you mature and complete there is the waiting again nobody volunteers for perseverance god give me hard times and give me them now god give me trouble and plenty of it He see nobody ever prays that do they because we know it's coming we know it will happen you're in the middle of the trouble in the middle of the hard times God develops the perseverance in us. The waiting upon him where we will see his promises fulfilled. We know the difficulties and the troubles that, that comes. And, and you see we see this, that, that the next thing, that, that God never does anything to our time frame. If we say, and we make this mistake, God I prayed on Monday, will you answer by Friday? God here you go, you've got, you've got seven weeks to do this. Please don't use Gideon's fleece as as an example because it's not an example, it was a one-off. It says, we wait on God and we rely on him and we trust him till he answers our prayers. We cannot give him a time frame or a time limit because he never does anything to our time frame. It says, even in sending his son, Jesus Christ, there are two verses that prove what I'm going to say. The first one is this. Romans 5 verse 6 says you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly says the right time only God can set the right time he says again in Galatians 4 he says again in Galatians 4 verse 5 in Galatians 4 verse 5 he says but when the set time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that one might receive adoption to sonship. We see there that there is the right time and the set time or the appointed time. God did this with his own son Jesus Christ. So how much more trust can we have that God is going to do the right thing for us and by us at the set time and the appointed time? Rather than us turning around and saying, God, you haven't answered that prayer yet. We can simply read those two verses and say, with his son, with his son, there was a right time and there was a set time. And you know what? It wasn't too early and it wasn't too late. It was exactly the time that God had set and appointed it. We take confidence in that tonight, in what we're going through. That God will never do anything too early in our life, and he will never do anything too late in our life. That when we are waiting, we can trust in that when we are still before God. This is what he did with his son, Jesus. The confidence we have is this, and I think this really sums it up. When God makes you wait, he is not depriving you, he is preparing you. I think how true is that that we would look at it? And in the danger that some people do, in the, uh, that they would help God and speed up the process to the answer that they're looking for, it just causes disaster and failure and mistakes in their life. Their intention and motive is, is right. But if they try and do that, it says they will miss what God is trying to do because He's not depriving you of something, He is preparing you. Uh, and we don't know where that preparation will end in our period of waiting but he's definitely preparing you if he sent his son at the set time and the appointed time we can trust his timing we we can trust him but we can trust his timing he does not need our help we can trust him because he's not depriving us of something he is preparing us he's finishing i go back to psalm 13 and david you know god did not forget david David felt that God had forgotten him. God did not hide his face from David, but David felt like it. The danger when we're waiting is our feelings can play play tricks on us. You know, God is silent. God has forgotten me. God has forsaken me. God answers everybody else's prayers, but he doesn't answer mine. And we can allow those feelings to cloud our judgment and our decision. Uh, And you see, while we're waiting, we can create that reality and rely on them while we're waiting. Those thoughts of, he's given up on me, he's letting me go, he's forsaken me. But in his discouragement, and I finish with this, he says David does four things with which we can do tonight if we are waiting. This psalm is six verses long. He says in the first two verses, he asks four times how long. In the last two verses, in his discouragement, he answers these. He says the first thing he does, and you can read it at the end of the psalm, he says he simply is, he trusts in God's unfailing love. He doesn't complain anymore about the answers he hasn't received. He trusts in God's unfailing love. There isn't anybody in here tonight that God doesn't have an unfailing love to watch. He says he he has shown and demonstrated that by sending his son Jesus Christ on the cross. So in a sense David is there before this. And he says he trusts in God and failing love. Knowing that God will not let him down. Even in the waiting. Even in the not hearing from him. Even if he thinks God is absent. He says none of that. He says he trusts in God and failing love. But then he does the second thing while he's waiting. He says he rejoices. In God's salvation, he rejoices because he knows, above all else, he's saved, he's God's child. Uh, And even though the difficulties are there and the enemy's coming after him, and he's praying that prayer how long, God? How long? How long? How long? He does this he rejoices in God's salvation knowing that God will save him knowing that the answer will come at the end of the set time the appointed time of the waiting and the third thing that he does and this is so important he sings in praise he sings in praise I mean there is nothing like in the middle of waiting where you don't feel like lifting your hands lifting your voice and you worship and praise God almost as a declaration that listen I know I'm waiting I I know that there is trouble I know there is but listen he sings in praise we do not praise God based on the way we feel that's not the reality of praise and worship the reality of praise and worship he says is this is we do that regardless of the way we feel That actually even if you've had a terrible week, everything's gone wrong in your life, you're waiting for the answer to come. You can still lift your hands tonight and simply say, hope has a name, his name is Jesus or whatever other song it is that that, that we worship to. Because it's not a feeling and David does the fourth thing and this I think is vital. He remembers how good God has been to him. Isn't that powerful? He says, he remembers how good God has been to him. That he may pray that prayer of how long, how long, how long, how long. And he remembers in the last two verses, particularly in this verse, he says, I remember how good God has been to me yesterday. His faithfulness to me yesterday guarantees his faithfulness to me today. His faithfulness to me today guarantees his faithfulness to me tomorrow. Not based on how I feel. He remembers how good God has been to him. In the period, in the middle of all this waiting where he's looking for the answers to prayer. He's not asking for any of those answers to the how long questions he simply said there's something bigger than this and the bigger thing than this is putting my trust in God rejoicing in his salvation singing in praise and remembering how good God has been to me yesterday yeah. amen. amen that's good there right, we go then so listen that's what this is about if you're in the middle of waiting tonight says I can only give you that assurance of the words that I've said Why does God make us wait? Because God is always up to something. We don't always feel it, we don't always see it, we don't always know it, but we can guarantee this is always up to something. Whether it's developing our character, whether it's helping us with something, He is working, working, working in our waiting. Let's stand to our feet a second. The team are gonna come up and listen. We just wanna do this, we just want to pray. But we don't want people to come out to the front, we simply want to do this when every head bowed, every eye closed, because this is an important response. The response at times is both with the worship song that we sing at the end but us simply saying, God, thank you for your word. This is my response to it in the period of my waiting. You may be waiting for something. You may be waiting for an answer. You may be waiting for a diagnosis. You may be waiting for anything. It could be something in your heart is burning because you know you are waiting. And we just simply want to pray for you tonight. Trust God remember how good he has been to you up to this point you didn't deserve it i didn't deserve it either but he has still been so good to us and we hold on to that tonight let us pray father god we come before you uh, and listen if this is you just lift your hands in the air just simply as a as a sign just as a response to god tonight to simply say i am waiting but i am trusting god Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray tonight for each and every person here, but specifically for those with hands in the air, that are in at that period of waiting. And Father God, we pray that this word tonight will give them some encouragement. This word tonight will give them some strength, some assurance. You have not forgotten about them. You have not given up on them. God you are doing a work Father God that we don't always see we don't always feel we might not always know but we trust like David in your unfailing love and we rejoice in your salvation tonight for we are your children and Father God you have not given up on us we remember how good you have been to us Father you do And Father, we're not even praying, Lord, answer their prayers. We're praying, Lord, have your way. In that period of waiting, uh, as those of us with hands in the air are waiting, we just simply say, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way. You will not do anything before your set time, nothing before your appointed time. You will do when you are ready, when it is the right time, And we trust in your timing tonight. In Jesus' most wonderful, precious name. Amen. Amen.